as Christians, should we be feasting or fasting? Should we be mourning over our sin or rejoicing in our salvation? Today, we're going to answer this all-important question. But before we do, we're going to read the passage, we're going to understand the passage, and lastly, we'll apply the passage and answer the question. Mark chapter 2, verses 18 to 22 says this, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And the people came and said to him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, Can a wedding guest fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, and the, old fr- and the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. No one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wine skins. You see, what Mark is doing here in chapter 2 of his book is he's contrasting what the Lord Jesus offers to what the religious leaders were offering. You see, the religious leaders, they mocked the power of Jesus. However, Jesus himself forgives and heals the man at the beginning of the chapter. We see that the scribes, they distance themselves from sinners. But what does Jesus do? He actively pursues sinners. Sinners like you and sinners like me. Third point in this passage is the Pharisees were fasting while Jesus' disciples, it seems, were feasting and marked by joy. Now, this third point may seem a bit odd. Is fasting bad? Absolutely not. The Bible commands fasting in so many different passages. But as always, the motivation for fasting, or feasting for that matter, is key. Is, is key. The motivation on whether we are pleasing to God. You see some historical background. The scribes and the Pharisees were very concerned about following God. That is why they developed hundreds upon hundreds of extra laws to ensure that they were following the other 600 laws that God actually instructed to his people. It's been described as a fence that's guarding the fence. It seems like a good idea, but what ended up happening was they trusted in their man-made commands rather than God himself. We can slip into this in our lives as well. We focus on the procedure rather than the person we're to be cultivating a relationship with. Rather than developing a relationship with our friends or spouse or children, 
We're laser focused on the routines and rules that we have set it up, set up for ourselves. This, of course, is a disaster. But how much more disastrous is this when it comes to our relationship with God? In verses 18 to 19 in our passage, the point in this section is that the disciples are marked by joy. They're feasting, they're enjoying the presence of Jesus just as guests party with the bridegroom at his wedding. Why would his disciples fast when they can dine with the king of the universe? Jesus illustrates this point to the religious leaders. It is impossible to sew uh, a, a new patch onto an old shirt. It just causes more damage. So too with wine. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. It'll ruin the wine and the wineskins. And here's the point. The two are incompatible. You see, what Jesus is getting at here is this. That Jesus doesn't come into our life to confirm our traditions. He comes into our lives to transform our lives. It's radically new. Jesus doesn't come to fit into your life schedule. He establishes a brand new relationship with you. A relationship with God is incompatible with empty religion. You see, these religious leaders, they were marked by fasting, but not joy. Others are perhaps marked by all joy and never mourn over their sin, never long for the return of Jesus. So which one is it? Are we to fast or feast? I want to show you that the scriptures display both are true. The Bible certainly has plenty of verses to teach us that we are to fast. Even in, not even just physically with food, but even in the context of marriage, the Bible describes that there are seasons where a husband and wife will forego intimacy and devote themselves to prayer for a short while. You see, fasting has many aspects to it, but Jesus, in the context of this passage, is saying, now that he's away, fasting is very appropriate. We must mourn for justice and long for his coming. That is, when he comes, justice will be restored and sin and misery will be replaced by joy and peace. Oh, brothers and sisters, let us long for that day when we will be in the presence of King Jesus. And yet at the very same time, yes, we mourn, yes, we're fasting, but we also feast and we rejoice. We read in the book of Acts, after the Lord has ascended into heaven, that they ate their food with gladness. In fact, if you study the New Testament church, it seems like food was a major part of the New Testament church. 
the Bible picks up on this imagery of food as a spiritual, as a picture of our spiritual growth. We read of things like Jesus is the bread of life. He's the living water. We enjoy the provision of the Lord's table each day as we commune with him. As a church, we take the Lord's Supper regularly, reminding ourselves of the reality and joy that the cross of Christ brings to us. You see, this passage teaches us that we mourn over our sin, that we long to be with Jesus, and yes, we fast, and yet at the very same time, let us rejoice and delight that the King of kings and the Lord of lords desires to dine with us each day.